you're interested in running for school board, magistrate, or even state representative, you need Get Elected. From campaign websites and printed materials to platform development and strategy, Get Elected helps down-ballot Republican candidates reach more voters and win more elections on a tight budget. Visit GetElected.org to learn more. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. This is your host, Sam DeMarco. I'm here joined by my faithful co-host, John Schneider, and Dazzling Daryl, our fantastic executive producer. Folks, we're excited today because we have a special guest here that's decided to take and grace us with his presence and join us today, and we're very, very happy to see him because he's a local product, you know, Uh, and we'll let you let him tell you a little bit more about himself when we introduce him, but I'd like to welcome to the show, uh, gubernatorial candidate, you know, during the primary here, Jason Ritchie, uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited to have a good political discussion over the next hour. Well, that's fantastic. Hey, Jason, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself and what caused you to take and run, uh, for governor when you decided to put your name forward and step into that race. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a kid. Uh, I always call myself a blue-collar kid from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. I grew up there, uh, worked in the steel mills to help put myself through law school, and then eventually came out uh, and worked for KNL Gates, which I know maybe a lot of the listeners see on top of the buildings downtown. But I've raised my family here in Swickley in Allegheny County. Uh, been working as a lawyer for 27 years. And what I have seen... And I think all the numbers uh, point out is there's a dramatic loss in population in Pennsylvania, but particularly here in Western Pennsylvania. And we see people and businesses that are moving, you know, to other states like Texas, like Florida, like Tennessee, where there are places of economic opportunity. You know, I always say, and as I went around the state running for governor, um, we see so many mothers and grandmothers that are sad because their kids have left, you know, and I hear that story over and over again. And the reality is, Sam, Pennsylvania, and particularly Western Pennsylvania, should be the place of economic opportunity. I mean, we have more natural gas under Western Pennsylvania than Saudi Arabia has oil. And we have great people, great uh, hospitals, great uh, universities and technology. Uh, and manufacturing. And if we bring it all together and we provide common sense pro uh, jobs principles, we should be booming and bringing down our tax benefits. So I, I felt like, you know, it was time to step up. And so I did and I went into the arena and it was a great experience. No, that's awesome. And, you know, that, that's a great segue, okay, to where we are today with our nominee, you know, Senator Doug Mastriano, okay? Uh, Senator Mastriano won the primary with 44% of the vote, you know, and he's our nominee as we move forward here to November where we're competing against Josh Shapiro. But all of those issues that you just identified and outlined, okay, those are the issues that the senator is fighting on and that we're all going to have to fight on if we hope to turn Pennsylvania into the land of opportunity, you know, and not what it is today, you know, the land of lockdowns, right, mandates, you know, under Governor Wolf and Josh Shapiro. It's absolutely right. I mean, when you look at what the Shapiro Wolf uh, administration did during the lockdowns, you know, we were locked into our homes, uh, businesses were shut down, family businesses were destroyed, and we lost our liberty. And if you remember why we were supposed to be locked down and wear masks and so forth, was to flatten the curve. Mm -hmm. And we somehow got away from that, right? I can remember UPMC saying there's hospital beds available. Um, and so, you know, I, they, they abuse their power, but the longstanding issues that we have in Pennsylvania are, you know, we are overtaxed to death and we're not pro-business, right? We have the second highest corporate income tax, um, our real estate taxes, like here in Allegheny County, out of 4,000 counties in the country, we're 117th highest real estate taxes. Um, you know, you have sales tax, income tax. We have the world's most expensive road in the Turnpike Authority. So we are, and the toll and the tolls just went up five. And it just went up again uh, in the entire world. So we have entirely too many taxes, uh, which is just chasing people out of here. This isn't the place 
to start your business. Um, and so we need to get back to that, right? Mm -hmm. We should be growing. And I think if we can bring some pro-growth principles to the Commonwealth and Allegheny County, uh, this place is going to boom. And we'll be able to keep our kids and our grandkids here. And, and that's critical. See, that's something that I would believe that everybody could rally around, you know, and could vote accordingly. But it seems like we have a real problem with our electorate today that we're so polarized, you know, and in the past where I believe voters would listen to a candidate, they'd hear from what the candidate, what their plans were and where they wanted to take the state. And then they would take and vote accordingly. Well, today it seems like they look upon them almost like they do sports teams. You know, if you're a Democrat or Republican, it's like you're willing to steal worth or Brown Jersey. Okay. And what happens is once I say, I'm never going to root for those guys, or I'm never going to root for those guys. And the problem is that they and their families and our children, they suffer because the improvements in the policies that would allow us to prosper, you'll never get passed or put into place because people are too short-sighted. How do you think we need, and people need to cut through that, you know, to really sit there and evaluate things based upon, hey, what's best, what has worked, you know, in the past? Why are we trying to reinvent the wheel, right? What has worked in the past? We can see by looking at Florida, People could say all they want about Florida. They're sitting on a $20 billion surplus. They had over 600 and 605,000, I think, new businesses you opened the last year, right? I mean, it's just incredible what's going on down there. And you juxtapose how Governor DeSantis handled, handled that with how Governor Wolf did. You know, we started, like you said, the two weeks to flatten the curve. Then what does that take and, and grow into? You know, he shut down businesses totally in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Then he created a waiver system with for his political friends. You had people, their businesses were shut down, but yet their competitors were open. Okay? You, I mean, there was just no rhyme or reason or logic behind it. So, you know, you, you take that, you take about how Wolf has been able to skate by on sending COVID-positive patients back into nursing homes, resulting in thousands of deaths of our parents and grandparents and forcing them to die in silence and alone because we weren't able to see them. You know, you see some of the media has picked this up by Cuomo, but but they're, they're letting Wolf off the hook. And the problem here has been Shapiro has been right there beside him every step of the way defending every action he had, you know, and following lawsuits against the legislature every time they would try to make changes. I mean, how do we... How do we take and make these changes, Jason? What do you think? Well, I think I think the biggest thing is the first thing we need to remember is that we're Americans, and and here we're Pittsburghers first, right? Besides Republicans and Democrats, and we need to be able to reach out to Democrats. You know, I think as a, a Republican, I'm trying to bring common sense principles, and I want to reach out to all communities, Hispanic, African American, Asian communities, and bring common sense. And I'll give you an example. U.S. Steel wanted to spend $1 billion to regenerate and to improve the Mon Valley Works, right? The huge investment. I can't, I'm a construction lawyer. I do it. And energy actually lawyer. one and a half billion. All, yep. Yeah, what, all over the world, right? They had mm -hmm. one and a half billion. Sam, the number of one and a half billion dollar projects in the world are, you can count them on one hand, right? right. Huge investment. And... They not only wanted to expand steel production, creating jobs in Pittsburgh, but they wanted to make and invest to make that facility more environmentally friendly, right? And the Democrats waited two years on their permits, never even bothered to give them a ruling, Allegheny County Democrats. Mm -hmm. And U.S. Steel finally said, enough. We're taking our billion, billion and a half, and we're going to go to Arkansas. And I remember talking with U.S. Steel about this, and they said the governor of Arkansas called them within 30 minutes of the announcement and said, how can I help? You know, what can we do to make your investment in Arkansas better? To me, those are common sense principles. We can advance manufacturing. We can advance uh, utilizing natural gas and getting it around the world, getting it from Pittsburgh to our NATO allies so that they're dependent on Pittsburgh natural gas and not Russian, right? Common sense principles for our national security, but at the same time, promoting ideas that improve the environment, right? Balanced approach, not we're going to 
throw away manufacturing in Pittsburgh. We're going to throw away energy in Pittsburgh with just one-sided blinders on because I'm all for the new Green Deal. And I think that if we can start to bring forth politicians that respect Democrats, respect other points of view, um, and, and don't personalize it, and bring common sense, logical principles, particularly this area, we can get Pennsylvania and we can get Western Pennsylvania really booming again. And I think I think that's what we have to do, right? And I listen. I've I've always believed. I had talked to former uh, county executive Jim Roddy years ago, and Jim told me, "Say, look, when you're running in an election race, you're running against your opponent. You're not running against another party because you want everybody to vote for you, right? So don't slam Democrats per se because you want Democrats to vote for you as well. Just refer to your opponent, or you can refer to the left. That's something that our folks don't seem." To understand, but it's something that we need to get that message through. Okay, and you talk about the uh, U.S. Steel project, and that was something that you know, as a at large in county in Allegheny County, was near and dear to me. I was very disappointed to see that, and you know, uh, all the elected officials who were all too happy to run down there and get their pictures taken when it was announced, and we're all now you know jumping and complaining and say, oh my gosh, blah blah. Well, that had nothing to do with the two years that, that U.S. Steel was waiting for permits from the Allegheny County Health Department. you know. But when I talked to the folks at U.S. Steel, they said, hey, listen, there's a lot of things that go into making those decisions. But, you know, when you take two years you know, to make a decision, that gives a, a big opportunity for a lot of other things to get into play. And one of the things that was so frustrating to them is they had millions of dollars worth of equipment and stuff sitting there under tents. You know, just waiting for the okay or the go-ahead to be able to complete construction. And and this gets back to one of the things where I've, all, I've always said, you know, uh, Democrats in power have a real issue because their, their base consists of a number of disparate groups cobbled together to give them enough votes to get, to get power. And I think that translates to what we see from Josh Shapiro and his refusal to, to reject Reggie. You know, and Tom Wolf's attempt to move the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania into that regional greenhouse gas initiative. I mean, Wolf doesn't care. I mean, he's checked out a long time ago. He's lame duck. And he's moving on, right? But he wants to pass and to, to do all these, um, you know, wild, green-eyed things, you know, before he leaves. He doesn't care that, you know, I mean, you and I, we can afford a 30% increase in energy costs. It's going to hurt. But we can afford it, right? But what about the people that are out there living paycheck to paycheck? What about the folks that are living on fixed incomes? What about the folks that are living before, below the poverty line? You know, what is that going to do to them? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, growing, I grew up in Aliquippa at a time when the steel mills were failing. And literally, my friends and families, I was like, my mom was a public school teacher and my dad was a mechanic. But I knew what it was like to see people that didn't know where their next meal was coming from or they didn't know where their job was from. And I, today, to, to your point, can, can feel that pain uh, that people have right now. And, and we, can get, we should be able to get together with Democrats to solve some of the key problems that happen here. For instance, you know, natural gas, one of the biggest things that we need is the infrastructure to get that natural gas to market. It's not, it's not really about the drilling. They have plenty of wells. It's about building the infrastructure. And what's that going to do? It's going to create tons of strong union jobs right here in western Pennsylvania, right? What is wrong with that? Um, and improve our national security and bring Western Pennsylvania's energy costs down. We talk about inflation is the, one of the biggest problems. If we can get more natural gas to market and get it out of the ground, everybody's home heating costs here in Pittsburgh, it, it should almost be free, right? The, on the same point about bringing down costs and affordable housing for Pittsburghers, the number one thing we can do is start to bring down our real estate property taxes, which are, are, are tremendously too high. We shouldn't be in the top 100 uh, highest counties in the entire country for property taxes. And I've seen it over and over again, particularly elderly who don't have any kids in school. Uh, they have their home and they're getting foreclosed on because they can't, they're on a fixed income and can't afford that property tax. 
We talk about low-income people. You know, the property tax impacts rent rates, right, because the landlord's passing that tax through. Or maybe we're talking about that middle-class person wants to buy their first home. And they maybe they, they were able to get their interest rate, maybe they are able to get the loan, and they never realize the impact of that property tax. So we need to bring our property taxes down. That'll also make the goods and services from all the business here who also pay property taxes come down and we can attack inflation and really boost our economy and make Allegheny County, you know, a place that is attractive to come to. If you, if you have any doubt, if anyone listening to this has any doubt about how excessive Allegheny County property taxes are, and I, I would hope this is something Democrats would be interested in doing too, you know, go down to South Point. You know, look at right across the border in Washington County. Go up to Cranberry and look what they've done and all the people that have escaped there to avoid our property taxes. But there's also a whole host of other people that have escaped to other states because uh, we're just taxing them out of Pennsylvania. So I think there's a lot of common sense things like that, uh, Sam, that we can get behind that can really help, to your point, day-to-day pocketbook issues of all the people out there in the county. And it's something we should be able to do on a bipartisan area. But I think as Republicans, we need to lead on that. I I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I mean, I think when we talk about things, uh, many of the folks out there, they're looking for a simple explanation or answer. And oftentimes there isn't one, okay? The issues and the solutions to these issues are a little bit more complex. And we talk about South Point. You know, South Point, there's a combination of things there. Yes, the property taxes in Washington County are lower, but one of the things that happened was you had uh, was city councilman at the time, Doug Shields. He and uh, at the time councilman Bill Peduto put up a bill that they passed saying no fracking in the city of Pittsburgh. So all of the energy companies that were coming in during the Marcellus Shell, you know, uh, at the beginning here, and decided, hey, we're not going to go somewhere. We're not we're, where we're not welcome. So that's what helped them build South Point because they were determined that they weren't going to take and do anything and take office space, you know, in the city of Pittsburgh. Well, we're seeing that now. I mean, we just had a vote on county council here a few weeks ago uh, where they overrode, you know, county executive Rich Fitzgerald's uh, veto of a bill they put forth to ban fracking in county parks. Now, let me explain. County council, when home rule was set up here, started in 2000 here in Allegheny County, Allegheny County, Allegheny County Council had just a few duties. I mean, it was designed to have a powerful county executive. It was designed you have a legislative body, and that's what council serves as. But our duties on county council are to pass a capital and operating budget, to pass legislation initiated by the county executive, member of council, or citizen through referendum. We levy all taxes and fees, and this is key to oversee all county-owned real estate. So nobody could take and enter into a lease agreement with anybody without having to come back to Allegheny County Council for approval. So there's no proposal on the table today. No one was looking to frack in the parks, right? But the left on county council, just for political theater, you know, ran this bill so that they can go out and tout their chest and claim that they accomplished something, okay? What did you stop? There was nothing there that was proposed to begin with, right? But this is emblematic of what the left does nationwide. They invent, We talk about straw men. They invent a problem that doesn't exist, and then they try to pass some piece of legislation that they claim addresses the problem that never existed in the first place, instead of focusing on and working on the real problems that do exist in our community and that we take and deal with every day. And the reason why I objected to this so strenuously and tried to lead the fight against it was because these folks are so short-sighted. They have no idea what they're doing, but you have people that are outside of Pennsylvania you know, businesses and, 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 and entrepreneurs that may be looking to relocate or to invest, expand their businesses and things like that, when they're looking at a place for potential site development, and you know this, having represented Shell, and one of the things they look for is certainty and predictability, okay? And they don't want to see or come to a place 
that's viewed as being unpredictable, where the rules and the things in place can change on a whim. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. That's what all businesses, when they're moving in, they're looking for certainty in an area. And I thought your analogy back to the city uh, uh, banning fracking to what just happened to county council is right on. And, and you know, this is why we don't want to uh, say all Democrats are bad, right? It's the left. It's the right. far left that uh, is sending a message to energy companies. Don't You don't want to come to Allegheny County. We don't like you. And, you know, right now we have one park uh, where the, the is being drilled, I think, in West Deer. Well, let me just explain. Yeah. No, <clears throat> there's no drilling taking place right, it's in the park. Yeah, it's underneath. Okay. Right. It's it's from outside the park, and it's hydraulic fracturing horizontal, 7,000 feet below the surface. Right. 7,000 feet. A mile and a half right. below and, the surface. And it hasn't caused any problems. And on the positive side, it's brought in $14 million dollars in revenue to the county, right? There would otherwise be taxes uh, that the county residents would pay. And so, you know, to your point, we, we've we've got to look at what's happening here in Allegheny County and Pennsylvania. And, you know, when I came in, we had all these articles uh, that are here. And, and Julian Roth uh, wrote an article on August 1st. It says, thousands of Western PA Democrats are leaving for the Republican Party and then it says, you know, the headline, I love this, no one seems sure why. And one of the things that I would submit to you, Sam, is that what I have seen, and I know you're more involved, you know, you're at county council, but what I have seen, particularly here in Allegheny County, is that the, the socialist wing of the Democratic Party is starting to take over. And... The, the, the Rich Fitzgeralds and the Dan Honorados are not welcome anymore. Uh, their, their, their wing of the Democratic Party is slowly being pushed out. And I think why a lot of people are switching the Republican Party, it's not only happening here in Allegheny County, but it's happening statewide, is people are realizing now this isn't the 1970s anymore, that it is the Republican Party that is the party of the working man and woman, the middle class, that we're the ones fighting for jobs, union jobs, non-union jobs, jobs that make people's lives better. And we want to bring down taxes. We want to create jobs so that everybody, everybody has an opportunity to try to live the American dream. And that, and you talked about, well, you know, why did I get into it? Because I think we're losing that. I think I had the opportunity to come from a place like Aliquippa and do something that I can't even imagine I'm doing, you know, working at a major law firm or having an opportunity to run for governor. And I think every kid out there, no matter what race, no matter what socioeconomic uh, form they come from, they come from Pittsburgh, they should have a chance at the American dream. And as these socialists continue to get elected, uh, and we see it, uh, more and more of these socialist candidates like Summer Lee uh, are, are coming into Allegheny County. Uh, we've, we've already seen what's happened to Philadelphia with the murder rate going up as socialists have taken over there. This is time, uh, Sam, I believe, for the Allegheny County Republican Party to put on its best face. We need to be unified. We need to reach out to all communities, Democrats, third-party people, and say, we have a plan, we have a way forward, and we are going to make Pittsburgh a booming place and a place where you can see the American dream. You know, I think, I think we can do it. I couldn't agree more. And we're going to talk a bit more in our second segment on that particular uh, piece there. But I'd like to say, you know, uh, I think it was about a month ago, the Secretary of Transportation was, excuse me, Secretary of Energy was in town, and she was talking about a new hydrogen hub that they're looking to, to locate here in the Pittsburgh region. And, you know, the county executive Fitzgerald was there. Uh, Congressman Mike Doyle was there. Now, I don't agree with their politics, but these are folks that are knowledgeable on the subject and have done, you know, done what they can to try to bring business and investment to this region. Can you imagine that this could be a year from now or two years from now and you'd have Summer Lee as a potential congresswoman and, you know, Sarah Inamorato, you know, who was a barista <laughs> before she was elected as a state rep, you know, as a county exec, potential county executive 
representing this area. You know, I was at an event and I spoke to a former county executive and uh, he said, you know, we've been very fortunate. He said with Jim Roddy, with Dan Honorado, and even with Rich Fitzgerald, he said they've governed the county in more of a centrist fashion. He said, so the county has benefited from having three, what they would say, good guys, okay, that understood the importance of jobs, business, investment. Okay, and they said, what happens if this region ever gets a bad one? You know, and that's why it's going to make the elections that are going to take place next year in 2023 so very, very important. And I want to take and talk more about that in our second segment. Folks, you're listening to the elephant in the room here on 1320 AM. I'm your host, Sam DeMarco, joined here by John Schneider, our our executive director, and our special guest, Jason Ritchie. Jason, we'll be right back right after this. Republican committees, large and small, trust get elected to help them reach more voters, find more volunteers, and raise more money. All to get more conservative candidates elected to important down-ballot positions. And all for less than most of us pay for cable. Visit getelected.org to learn more. Welcome back to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. And, oh, I wanted to let you know, folks, we now have a podcast. You can access our podcasts on Spotify as well as a number of the other leading podcast providers. And we'll get you a list here before the end of the show. But hey, uh, so I'm very excited. But we're joined here in the studio today by our special guest, local product and gubernatorial candidate. And we'll talk more about some other things here. But Jason Ritchie. Jason, thanks for sticking around here to continue this discussion. Absolutely, Sam. Happy to be here. So we were just talking in the last segment about, you know, how we want the, the things that we see that are getting in the way of being able to deliver prosperity, you know, to the average uh, Pennsylvanian. You know, some of the other stuff that we just lose sight of, look from a cultural perspective, look at what they're doing to our kids in the schools, whether it's CRT, whether it's radical gender theory, you know, all these different things, you know, we're being attacked on that issue. Okay. How do we fight back against this stuff? Well, I think we just have to bring some common sense to the table. You know, the other day I uh, referred to someone as a mother and I was corrected that that's not appropriate anymore. You can't be a mother. You have to be a birthing parent. So that was news to me. I didn't, I didn't know that. So it's getting a little bit out of control. And I think people can feel that. And so I think we have to push back in a respectful way. And again, we need to focus on opportunities, right? So for our schools, you know, we've got to take critical race theory out of the schools. That's not acceptable. Pointing to a particular race is evil. We want to bring, you know, one of my biggest things, I want to end racism. And I want to treat, we need to treat all people equally under the law. And if you ever look at a group of kids, you know, that get together and play, I don't care what religion, what race, or even what culture they're from, they're going to have a good time. It's what we teach them that causes the hate and causes the harm. And by, you know, 2022, enough is enough. Like, we've got to get beyond the fact that one person's pigment of their skin somehow reflects who they are. Um, You know, I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the things, back when uh, President Obama was elected, okay, no, I wasn't happy about it because, hey, my team didn't win. But when he came out that night at Grant Park, there was he and his wife, and you had Vice President Biden and his wife there. For a moment, I was proud of my country because my country had elected a black man, and I thought, hey, we are finally going to be able to move past this racial divide here. You know, Martin Luther King's dream was being realized. But contrary to that belief and expectation, Obama only made it worse, okay? I mean, it's actually created, you know, and grown the division you know, in our nation. And it continues to this day. The CRT. I don't believe, like you said, that you can tell one kid you're an oppressor and the other kid you're a victim based solely on the color of your skin. You know, how did we ever let the education movement get beyond us to where if it's not that, like we said, we see what's going on in the classrooms, the drag queen twerking, you know, uh, you have folks out there you can see on the internet, on like Twitter, talking about they need to teach this stuff to, uh, you know, pre-kindergartners. 
or preschoolers. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's it's like you talked about we need to push back respectfully. How do you push back respectfully against insanity? Well, you bring common sense, but then you also have to bring solutions, right? I mean, I don't think anyone disagrees that our education system's a mess. You know, right here in Pittsburgh, we have some of the best solutions and examples. And one of my favorite is Manchester Bidwell. And I don't know if you've, you've been there on the north side, but they're taking kids right out of high school and they begin to train them for a particular job, right? Whether it be nursing, whether it be in music, whether it be in horticulture, et cetera, et cetera. And they're teaming up with local businesses here in Pittsburgh. And when you talk to Kevin, the director at Manchester Bidwell, when those kids get in there, they aren't troublemakers. They aren't, you know, someone that's disinterested. They can see a job in the future. You know, this idea that every kid has to go to college, which is sort of where our schools are right now, I think is a mistake. We need to make sure, you know, my dad was a mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, he loves to work with his hands. I'm not sure, I don't know if he's listening, I'm not sure he's ever read a book before. But that isn't what makes him happy. It's fixing things, right? And every kid has that, right? They don't care what a rhombus is. They're not interested in reading Mark Twain. So I think one of the things, we have this wonderful Manchester Bidwell model that's been developed on the north side. I would like to see things like that expanded, you know, and let's get the unions involved too and training these kids right out of high school and not the guidance counselor, everybody needs to go to college. And let's start training a workforce to bring new businesses in here. We start focusing on positive outcomes, ways to make people's lives better, right? Then I think this common sense approach and this wokeism, you know, we get it out of the schools and we get new solutions in on how we can help everyday people's lives. And that's something that I'm very interested in. Well, I think, you know, that's a great point there. You start talking about workforce development, right? And right now we have a smorgasbord of workforce development programs, both at the federal and state level. But yet there's no accountability or measurement of those programs to determine, you know, which ones are delivering positive outcomes and which ones aren't. And I think benchmarking those programs and holding them accountable is a way for us to prudently spend taxpayer monies and direct that to the programs that are delivering positive results, right? Because we want to take and expand those and then taking and taking and taking the money away from the ones that aren't. Because really... These taxpayer dollars should be spent on getting results for the taxpayer, not on providing, you know, a work, you know, for leftists, okay? Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And one of the problems, you know, for the listeners out there right now that that we see ourselves in is we just had the greatest generation retire. And we've seen from COVID a number of folks that have just checked out because they don't want to go back into the workforce. And as a result, we have... 2.5 million jobs open right now. And so that's what's a lot of the inflationary pressures because there's this labor market competition, which is driving up the cost of every good and service, right? That's really the heart of it. So to your point, bringing in programs like we know Manchester Bidwell works, Mm -hmm. you can go there, you can measure it. It's a proven commodity in Pittsburgh and you want to expand and multiply and spend grant money on programs like that so that any company, because all the companies right now, and I've been all over this state, I've talked to, you know, other business people in other states, the biggest thing they're looking for is we need labor. We need people that want to work and we need trained people that can work. Mm -hmm. And so here in Pittsburgh and in Allegheny County, if we can do that, if we can do what the other regions in the country aren't doing, which is bringing a solid education for kids that they can do whatever they want to do. It doesn't have to be going to college. And we're training them. We're training them for free. And we're connecting them with the private sector, right? So that these kids are getting internships. They're getting out there for free. They get to see what the real world is like. The employer gets to see what they're like. And, you know, a place like Manchester Bidwell is doing that. And they're having 98% hiring success. See, this is a really win-win situation. Exactly. But it's like... You know, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I used to be a union glazer. So after college, you know, I entered, uh, it was local 751 at the time, which was the glazers. This was during Pittsburgh's Renaissance II project when they were building PPG Center, Oxford, 
in Mellon Center. Oh, wow. So I went through an apprenticeship program for five years where the union trained me, and I became a journeyman, okay? So I'm familiar with the training program that these folks offer. They're excellent, right? And all of the trades are offering these. And you know what? When you graduate from those, you don't have any student debt, That's okay? Right. And you're usually making, you know, in many cases, uh, more than some of the folks graduating from college today are. So it's it's not... This is not something to be looked down on. This is a real opportunity. And one of the other challenges we have, you know, the Allegheny Conference had done a study a few years ago. They called it Inflection Point. And they talked about by 2025 here in our region, we were going to be short 80,000 workers, okay? So, you know, how do we take, you know, and get these folks involved? And, you know, we have people out there that have problems. They talk about their problems. Well, I've always believed that if a man or woman can feed their family and put a roof over their heads, that many of the other problems you have in life seem insignificant by comparison, okay? So you talked about Manchester Bidwell and the success they have where some of these kids that they're getting in aren't troublemakers and can see the light at the end of the tunnel in a job. This can help keep them on the straight and narrow and off of drugs because that's one of the other big problems we have. You know, we need workers, but we need people that can pass drug tests, and so many can't today. So, you know, I mean, this is, this is a, a challenge. And one of the things that I always struggle with is why does the left not want people to be able to prosper? You know, they, they don't want people to succeed. It seems like they just want more and more people. They want to create government jobs instead of allowing folks to prosper with private sector jobs. I just, I just don't understand it. Maybe never will, but that's why I'm trying to do something about it as the chairman of the Republican Committee. And and that is why I am a Republican. You know, conservative economic principles are about you train, you give people opportunity, you bring jobs in, you bring the private sector in and get the government out. And, And what you said, Sam, is really important. When kids today see that there's hope, that there's a job, that there is a way to provide for themselves, there is a path forward. And they won't go to drugs. You know, drugs is an effect of masking, right? That they have had trauma. It's uh, kids have had trauma and every kid has had mm-hmm. trauma at some point uh, in their lives. They may not have had the best parenting. They may have been abused, whatever. But if you can give them hope and opportunity, and I think that, you know, we're kind of circle back where we were in the first segment about you know, these parties being at each other and the vitriol that's given when we talk, uh, you know, it's just like, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. We need a leader that can inspire all and give hope to all and that everyone knows that he or she is fighting for me, right? They're fighting for this region. And uh, I just think that's so important. And we we haven't had that in a while. And mm-hmm. we really do need hope. We need optimism. I think Reagan always talked about the shining light on the hill. He always kind of, I remember as a kid, always giving me reason to be proud to be an American mm-hmm. and proud to be optimistic. And as you know, you know, he set the example. You know, he'd go in the room with Tip O'Neill, who's the Democratic Speaker of the House, and they'd cut it. They'd work a deal. They'd cut it. They would do something that was in the best interest of the country not necessarily in the best interest of their party. And so I think we got to get back to that. I think we we do have good historical examples. And I'm really confident that America will. You know, if you look at the cycle of the United States, we, we do as a country, maybe it's part of being a democracy, we do tend to, to go on, a, on some crazy paths here and there. But we always recover. We always come back. And there always seems to be a leader or a people and we, we come together because we're Americans. And one of the things I love about, I've lived in Western Pennsylvania my whole life is I just, you know, we, you don't have to live in the city of Pittsburgh. We all call ourselves Pittsburghers. I mean, there's people in Mercer right. County. Yep. They call themselves Pittsburghers because we're all so proud. We love this place. We have such good people here in the sort of the sports, uh, uh, you know, culture that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're a Steeler fan. So I think we have a lot in common. We have all the natural resources. We have the greatest universities in the world. We have some of the best medical centers. We have one of the, the some of the greatest banks. Uh Greatest law firms like my own K and L Gates, uh, literally, you know, the best in the free world. Free plug, yeah, free plug. Um, we just have so much going for us. 
it saddens me to see these population statistics. You know, if you just look in the last two years, no metropolitan area has lost more population in the last two years than Pittsburgh. And it shouldn't be that way. We sh you should want to come to Pittsburgh. It's beautiful. The people are great. And uh, we just got to get government out of people's way and, and utilize these wonderful natural resources that we have. Well, you were talking a little bit earlier, you just, a few minutes ago, at the beginning of your statement, you talked about you know that we can do these things. And that reminds me of something Winston Churchill once said. He said the Americans can always be counted on to do the right thing after they've done everything else. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know? But but it's true. And, you know, and circling back to locally, and I let me go back to the gas thing, right? <clears throat> the $14 million that we received, the county received from Deer Lakes Park, it wasn't just that, well, people's taxes didn't have to be raised. It was that that money was reinvested in all of the parks to provide the citizens here a much better experience, okay, for they and their families, you know, at no additional cost to them. Right now, out at the Pittsburgh International Airport, you know, the Allegheny County Airport Authority is building a $1.5 billion new terminal, completely modernizing our existing facility, okay, into what will be the envy of the world when this thing is done. It's not costing the taxpayers a dime, not a dime. So I've often wondered in the past, why can't the state of Pennsylvania, the federal government, the local government, take and use property that they own to extract these natural resources and sell them and use that money to be able to fund government or lower taxes? You know, you're talking about property tax relief, right? Well, you know, what in many cases, some of the folks are proposing it are looking at really a tax transfer, right? Because you have to raise revenue in one particular way or another. But here's a way to take and use and get resources and get revenue and money that doesn't cost the average resident a dime. Absolutely right. And so here's the thing that the socialists and the left don't want to tell you. Not only could we be raising money, just as you said, by the government to bring down our property taxes, give us competitive advantages like, and I understand, and, and uh, you know, at the airport, they even want to start making their own jet fuel there yes. to, to to give it to the airlines at a lower cost to bring in more, new, more exactly. airlines, international flights, right? Very good plans that we have going on. But we could also, as you said, get this natural gas out. We get it to the market, okay? What does that do? First of all, it creates tons of jobs in Western Pennsylvania. We can bring down our property taxes. We can help on our national security, getting a lot of this to Europe. But the other thing, Sam, is that it's going to improve the environment. And you say to me, what? How is that possible, Jason? You get natural gas out of the ground, it's going to improve the environment. What the left does not want to say is that the world needs so much fossil fuel right now. I am for all types. I am for solar. Hell, I, I drive a Tesla, okay? I am for, my house is geothermal. Like, I am for all types of energy, development. I have worked on wind farms all around the country. I'm for it all. But you got to have energy. And the natural gas, you can go on the EQT's website. If we get natural gas around the world, it'll have the same effect as if we had solar panels on every home and everybody was driving an electric vehicle. That's the kind of impact. Because what I think people don't realize is, number one, if we're not producing the natural gas here, Russia and China are happy to do it, and they don't have the same environmental laws that we do, okay? That's number one. Uh, number two, I think what a lot of people don't realize, like, you know, when I've been around the world and I've done construction projects all around the world, I was just down in Valparaiso, Chile, second biggest city in Chile. You go to the homes, you see black soot coming out of every home's chimney, and you're thinking kind of maybe what that's what Pittsburgh looked like, you know, 50 years ago, but it's because they're heating their homes with coal because they don't have any access to natural gas in Chile. And that's the same. It's in, you know, all around the world. If we can get our natural gas all around the world, not only could we make Western Pennsylvanians wealthy and jobs and bring our real estate taxes down, not only help our national security, but we're helping the environment too. And I, I don't know as Republicans, if we do a good enough job of articulating that, that argument against the left. And what they did, like in your county council, I was reading, you know, they show you one example of a well gone bad, right? And, you know, 
that happens, right? I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say there aren't, I think as Rich Fitzgerald said, there are bad actors uh, in there, but we need to weed them out. By and large, 95% of the companies that are engaged in the energy industry, they're incredibly, incredibly, I've been out to the well sites. I've been out to their distribution centers. They are so environmentally cautious and careful. I mean, that's their bottom line, right? I mean, that that's what the shareholders need them to be. Uh, so that they could continue to produce. So I'm very optimistic that we have everything here in Pittsburgh and Allegheny County to make this place boom, especially with this energy development that we have. It's just a matter of unleashing this incredible power that we have. And I think as a Republican Party, we have some new faces coming in. We've got a new fire about us. I can feel it as I meet all the candidates all around Allegheny mm -hmm. County, New people are out there, and I hope that, you know, the voters in Allegheny County, particularly coming up, take a look at some of these state reps, Mike Doyle running for Congress, some mm -hmm. names that Jeremy Schaefer, some of these people that new names that you may not have heard from before because we really are bringing a lot of youth. I think we're bringing some diversity. Obviously, I think we could be even and bring more diversity. I'd love to see in this party. But we really do have some great people that really do care about Western Pennsylvania, and I think we have a very bright future ahead. Well, you know, that's going to go back to, it's going to require something that there is a lack of right now here in this area. You know, that's leadership. We have extensive natural resources. We have a workforce with a work ethic that's second to none. You know, I talk about the airport a lot because I'm involved with the airport's activities. You know, thankfully, we have a visionary that's running the show out there, Christina Casotas, okay? We need more folks like her. Like, you know, we need leadership. At the Allegheny Conference, we need leadership in our elected officials. I mean, as you said, what do you say, 20 minutes or 30 minutes after the announcement was made by U.S. Steel, the governor of Arkansas was on the phone calling U.S. Steel and said, how can I help, right? You know, how many calls has Governor Wolf made, okay? I mean, you know, these are the things. I know that the county executive, you know, this county executive tries to make those calls and is involved in trying to promote this stuff. Flies all over the world with these folks doing it. I don't know what the next county executive is going to do, which leads to our next segue. What's next for Jason Ritchie? Well, right now we're starting the phases of exploring running for Allegheny County executive. I mm -hmm. think it's a way to give back to my community. I have three boys. They all went to Quaker Valley. And as I was saying before about how the kids and the grandkids are taking off to all parts of the United States and not staying here in Pittsburgh, not staying here in Pennsylvania, Melissa and I would love to have our boys stay here, but we do need to make it a place of opportunity. So it's something, you know, I haven't finalized any decisions yet. It's something we're exploring. I'm literally talking with people daily about it. I learned quite a bit running for governor, you know, running mm -hmm. in all 67 counties, building an infrastructure network in all 67 counties. I believe that I'll be a very strong candidate. And my hope is to appeal to all segments of society, all socioeconomic uh, 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 levels, and to bring opportunity for all. We can reform education, we can bring property taxes down, and we can make Pittsburgh a place of growth. Well, listen, that is great news to hear you're considering that. I can tell our listeners that there are a number of folks who have reached out and expressed an interest about potentially, you know, looking at that opportunity. I'd be happy to, you know, talk to these folks more as we go on to see where this thing leads. Uh, but it, it really, the good news for the people that are listening is that the Republican Party is stepping up. The Republican Party is going to be fielding candidates with vision and with leadership ability that can actually take this region to the next level, you know, because I see what's happening on the left and the progressives that are coming out, you know, the rumor mill is always running when I'm down at the courthouse, right? So the city of Pittsburgh, I'm hearing that the uh, controller, Mike Lamb, is looking at running for county executive. I've also been told that state representative Sarah Inamorato has told people that she's looking at running for this as well. I don't know what other wild-eyed progressive is going to come out of the woodwork and run for this. I know that I think I was told that the Democrat councilwoman at large, Bethany Hallam, is looking at running for county controller. And folks, I mean, boy, if you haven't been following what's going on at county council, you'd be in for a show if that took place. We absolutely need quality leadership, you know. And uh, so, hey, to all of our listeners out there, if you think 
that you might be a good candidate for controller or a good candidate for treasurer or if you would want to run for district attorney, you know, or even county executive. That's a big job, folks. 750 square miles, over 7,000 employees. Hey, give us a call at 412-458-0068 or drop us a line on our website at www.allegheny.gop. But folks, thank you so much for tuning in today. Jason, thank you for coming in and sharing with us your vision and the, the lessons you've learned traveling the state and some of what you would like to see taking place here in Allegheny County. Uh, giving you the last word here, okay? What would you, if, if you were the nominee and you were elected as the next county executive, what would be the first couple things you did? Well, one of the things I'm doing right now, and, and we did this for governor, is we want to bring together some of the best experts to develop a plan. I think you need to lay out a plan for what we're going to do. But some of the things that are in the offering clearly bring down property taxes. Um, we have to do that at all levels, the county tax, local tax, and, and do what we can for the school tax. Two, unleashing energy, absolutely necessary. I think three, we need to think of infrastructure and including a high-speed rail network that goes from the airport all the way out through the city, through the universities, and out to the turnpike. That's going to alleviate traffic through both of our tunnels, and it's going to provide you know modern, almost every single major metropolitan area has rail that goes out to their airport. We're, we're one of the few that don't. Um, so those are some of the things that we're looking at. Uh, clearly, we talked about education and providing that training and those opportunities to attract more businesses here. But you know, we'll continue to develop the plan. And if I do decide to run, we're going to put it in writing and we're going to be visionary. We're going to be positive and we're going to reach out and we're going to do it to win. Well, fantastic. Folks, you heard it from Jason himself. Again, this is Sam DeMarco signing off from the elephant in the room here on WJAS 1320 AM.